0: Hey everybody, coach Jonathan here. I wanted to take a quick moment to introduce this special episode. You're about to listen to a few months back. We worked with Lee McCormick, a mountain bike skills instructor from leelikesbikes.com on improving our mountain bike skills. Coach Chad, Nate, and I worked with him for a couple days on refining our skills on a few basic principles. And the podcast you're about to listen to now is a behind the scenes discussion with Lee on those principles and what we worked on during those days. Now you can also go onto our YouTube channel and you can see a video that not only has a discussion, a separate discussion between Chad, Nate, and I about this, but it also shows what we were working on and how we improved. And you can go to blog.trainerroad.com to get a blog post that has the same information there and has all of this stuff all in one place for you. So check that out, enjoy this episode and let us know if you have any questions at trainerroadcom slash podcast. Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to making you a faster cyclist, the Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. I'm Coach Jonathan Lee with our head coach, Chad Timmerman. Hey, everybody. Our CEO, Nate Pearson. Hello. And we have a special guest with us today. Yes. Heck yes, we do. Yeah, we spent the whole day with him yesterday. We're going to spend the whole day with him today. Uh, Lee McCormick, MTB skills instructor. What's up, Lee? Hey, you guys. Thanks for having me out here. Yeah, our pleasure, man. Our pleasure. Uh, so let's, uh, let's go over, Lee, I don't know if you're the type to brag very much, but you're... I th- you have to have the best-selling book on mountain bike skills, right? Of all of them. Yeah,
1: by like an order of magnitude. Yeah, <laughs> of all time.
0: <laughs> of all time. What's it called?
1: It's called the, the big book. I've written nine books now. Okay. The big book is called Mastering Mountain Bike Skills. Okay. Brian Lopes is on the cover of that one. And uh, this, the two editions have sold well over 100,000 copies. And the third edition is at the printer now. It'll be out in fall.
2: Okay, so if somebody's listening to this and they get inspired to buy the book, should they wait for the fall printing or should they buy it twice? (laughs) (laughs) Twice, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, but really though, I mean- Definitely twice.
1: (laughs) You know, the thing to do would be to, um, yeah, wait for fall. And then if if you want to get after the shredding sooner than later, go to llbmtb.com. That's my online school. And that's the newest, best thinking that actually is newer and better than the new book and also has video and we have an interactive uh, community. So that's, that's the best. That's the best.
0: Yeah. The book is like a, is like a field manual to have there with you and keep that one as reference. Right. And totally. Like, like the else. book
1: is like written for like, um, bathroom length sessions. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a lot of people have them in the bathroom. A lot of people have them in their gear bag. So when they're road tripping up to like a downhill race to like pick a thing to think about, you know, yeah, one thing at
2: once, right. You sorry? can't, You got to think of one thing at once. You can't read the whole book and then be like, I'm going to apply this whole book at once."
1: No, no. Like each, each, like each quanta in there, each little bit is fodder for like a lifetime of mastery. And and the fact is the best riders I know, um, I'm hoping to become one of them someday. Right. You just cycle back and forth. It's like in martial arts, it says there's this idea of spiral learning. Hmm. You know, you, you master a set of skills at some level you execute, then you start over again. And that's, that's how this all works too. That
2: makes sense. So to that point yesterday, you did a clinic with just us three. Yeah, that was we, amazing. And yeah, was well, right. the interesting thing is all three of us have different skill levels and we all leveled up, right? Mm-hmm. Of course I leveled up and Jonathan did too, even though Chad? Jonathan's at a different level. Yeah. And Chad's mm-hmm. the, the middle. I, I prefer to think of it as, like, the three bears. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say mama bear. Not super happy with that distinction, but that's what I, got, that's what I landed with. i well, well, bear.
1: Well, he's hot. That one's cold. You're just right.
3: Exactly. <laughs> You're just right. Perfect. Yeah.
1: So uh,
0: we we actually – yeah, we, we brought you up here, Lee, uh, to, to work on this and improve this. We have single track six coming up. It's weighing heavy on our minds, and it's something that uh, I know that – all of us feel that and felt beforehand and certainly feel now that we have room to improve on our technical ability on riding a bicycle. So uh the goal of today's podcast is to isolate some principles through sharing our experiences uh that hopefully you can apply, uh, the listener, and increase your ability to to ride a bike in one way or another. Increase your shred quotient, would, would you say? That's that's right, Lee?
1: For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like uh right. Um... And
0: even if you're on road. Uh, th- th- so many of these principles are going to help so much, right?
1: Like, I've been working on the Grand Unified Theory of Shredding for <laughs> about 47 years now. Yeah. And riding is riding. Moto, road, BMX, cyclocross, mountain bike, horses. In my youth, I had the opportunity to ride bulls at the Grand National Rodeo a few times. Riding is riding, man. Except bicycles don't chase you after (laughs) much better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Much better. So, uh, I guess we should probably just get right into our experiences, Nate.
2: Yeah. I kind of want to, before we get into like what your body does, we talk about what the mind does. Yeah. Right. Cause mm, for me that it's a big limiter, but in general, um, we talked a lot about the idea of flow Mm -hmm. and Lee, can you describe what flow is?
1: I'll do my best. You know, this is based like the guy who started this whole flow, I guess, science or area of study is named uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and he wrote the book Flow, and it talks about – and, and he was the guy who kind of said like, hey, you know those moments when you're shredding, like maybe you're writing good code or like you're playing your trumpet really well or you're ripping on skis. That's not luck that's like a physiological state that we can actually kind of like predict and and start to kind of create on on at will um and so he his his basic criteria for flow are something like um mastery um so you have to have some level of mastery um which of course is scalable and it's awesome because like you know Nate you like getting a clean run over a couple rollers and me, like boosting that big jump yesterday, and like getting it perfect, is exactly the same physiological condition. It feels the same, mm-hmm. and and that's one reason we like to chase flow. Because if 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 you can if you can continually s- scale your ability, your competency, you can always achieve flow, right? Yeah. So so there's there's competency, there's an appropriate goal, and that's a big deal, you know. And the goal has to be specific to you. It has to be really, really dialed to your level of mastery, right? And um, it has to be an intrinsic goal. Like I had a client, a World Cup cross-country racer. It's early season. And I'm like, hey, what's your goal this year? World champion. And I was like, that's the bad goal. Hmm. That's like the worst goal in the world because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're not the only person with that goal and you can't control that goal. And I kind of knew that she was having trouble. You know how cross-country races, now they have like the A line for the pros, mm-hmm. which is like a DH line now. Mm-hmm. which are like basically naked mm-hmm. and you're riding like, <laughs> you know, this little bike. So what we did was we trained her to ride those. And I was like, I want you to just go out there and have fun. When it's time to pedal, do what you do. But, um, I want you to have the the goal of like, have each lap build, build, start picking your lines way ahead of time. So when you get to that big drop, it's exquisite. Right. Mm-hmm. And one thing that happened was Vela News ran the biggest picture of her. This, this like cute blonde with her logos down her side boosting like an eight-foot drop on a cross-country bike, huge. Um, but what happened was she had her best season ever. Mm. So, so um, internal goals, intrinsic goals, and the last one is arousal level, which is basically controlling your emotions. And we all need to understand that we have a peak arousal level. If zero is sleeping and 10 is freaking out, in my experience, most of us, are ideal around eight, hmm. like 8.1. I'm an idiot <laughs> and I'm slower. I felt that when I was racing with Jonathan yesterday, when he put the pressure to me, <laughs> I, I, I was pushing too hard and it was slower. Hmm. I know better, but i we're just animals. Right. Yeah. we are. Um, and 7.9, I'm not paying attention. It's not perfect. So like, that's it. So like the combination of mastery, specific intrinsic goal. Tailored to you and the right amount of arousal mm-hmm. can can kind of create these flow states. So that was that was to send me high. You guys want me to keep going? I mean, that, I think
0: that that's something that it, so of, You mentioned this yesterday a lot. Codifying these things that we may have already felt at one point or, or, or doing was really important, at least for me.
3: Yeah, and so, this was something so less can, about flow, more about the lizard brain, as you termed it.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, which let's let's actually describe that really quick. Um, the lizard, yeah,
1: yeah. So like, um, depending on your school of thought, like, like some people will call it the chimp brain, great, mm. yeah. the chimp versus the professor, mm. right? I, I just like lizard. Mm. So like, you know, I'm talking to you guys, like, right? And you're like showing up on nice bikes. You've done something with your life that allows you to ride your bike all day Thursday and consider it to be work, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it. right. It works out well, <laughs> and and so like, chances are you're intellectually pretty solid right? So, like, I, we, we talk to you, and you we have to teach the intellectual side of you what's going on, and you have to, like, reconcile the cognitive model of shredding and all that stuff. But in the moments that matter, the moments that feel good, the moments that feel bad, too, the champ, your, your, your lizard runs the show, right? And so we have to, like, understand, like, for a guy like Nate, who's, like, probably more analytical than he needs, needs to be, Like that sort of analytical nature maybe makes you like build kick-ass software companies. Yeah. Right? But like it gets in the way of your fun. Like dumb people have so much more fun short-term than smart people do. (laughs) It's a hard life, guys. It's a hard life. But the smart people, if they take the time, if if you really get the cognitive model down and then you get safe reps and quality reps with good internal focus, Mm. then you can reprogram your lizard. Yeah. And and the lizard is kind of interesting because it's like it's like if the bit rate of your like conscious mind is one, like your ability to like process data and tell your muscles what to do is one. This is according to a neuroscientist I coach. The bit rate of your lizard and your peripheral vision is one thousand. Hmm. Yeah.
2: So when you just react, and that's that's when ooh. a boxer right, like a boxer has a punch and they just react; they don't think. Oh, a punch is coming. Right. I'm going to move my head and do this and right. duck my shoulder and right. stuff like that. Totally. Like, it,
1: it, and you guys know this. You're rotting. You're, you're going great. You're ripping. And it's just all there. And you have soft focus. You don't know it, but you have soft focus. And you kind of are seeing everything, but you're not looking at anything, right? Mm. It's a mm. big yoga thing. Yeah. And, you know, and then you stare at the rock. What happens? Rock. <laughs> yeah, you turn. Exactly. St- and you turn stupid. Yeah. And so, like... like the, the, for most human beings, if you see a thing, if you see rock and you think, oh, I should pull my bars, it takes a quarter second, that's a quarter second. You ready? So at 15 miles an hour, a quarter second is 5.5 feet. Yeah. And that's why you're getting your, you getting beaten up.
2: A quarter yeah. seconds fast. Right? Oh yeah. 250 milliseconds. Goes by real quick. What I noticed too, about the flow yesterday, yesterday, talking about doing safe reps, as I got further and further and doing more reps and Lee kept yelling, get down. Once I got the feel, like I felt what a good like a pump is and how to take a good corner, then I could do it again. And I wasn't even like, I wasn't even thinking I would just like, I was chasing the feeling, right. And I would just feel it through and my brain wasn't going okay, now do this, now do this, now do it this. It becomes this. less and less conscious, more natural. Yep, yeah. and then it got more fun too. Oh my gosh, right? I could
1: see you, it was so funny because like at one point you didn't even want the positive high five feedback, you're like, I'm turning laps, <laughs> dude. Yeah, like you're just I know, I was, like,
2: I was like, I was in it because you wanted to give me more feedback and I was like, I just need to do a couple more. Right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop.
1: And a couple more became 10 more yeah. and it became 20 more. Yeah. And the sun went down. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we pulled him back for this. But that, but that was red in a couple of ways. Cause number one, like we spent like what, two or three hours on the rip row here in your gym, a trainer road. Mm-hmm. So like you guys got a hell of a workout and like we went deep on like the movement pattern, like mm-hmm. to the point where you guys were turning reps with the resistance set to 12, yeah. doing massive amounts of work and it was clean. Right. Then we went road. Let's, and,
0: let's cover really quick what the rip row yeah. is, uh, because it? it's, it, I'm sure not many people have, have, heard of it that are listening to this podcast right now. That's, so
1: that's fair to say, well, yeah. um, I invented a thing. It's a, <laughs> it's a training device. Speci- it was specifically developed to help people ride bikes better. It mm-hmm. was, it was developed to kind of understand how bikes and bodies actually interact with each other and what it's, what it's become is like the most amazing tool I, I can think of mm-hmm. to teach people how to ride. Mm-hmm. to teach you guys the patterning. And also it has to be the most effective training tool for fitness and strength and neuromuscular patterning there is for someone who wants to shred like mm-hmm. a, a mountain bike, BMX bike, motocross, cyclocross, yeah. even more. Couldn't local. agree more. So, mm. so imagine yeah. like, imagine like we're starting to call it, it's like the world's first unstable, upright, bi-directional rower. <laughs> so <laughs> imagine... Like a, a like a metal platform that you stand on, but the front and the back are like the round on the bottom, so it's unstable side to side, like a bike is, right? Mm-hmm. And you're in a, and you're in a bike stance, so it's also unstable front to back. So like if you, if you lean to your front foot, foot it leans to one side. If you lean, you know, you understand. Mm-hmm. And then right in the middle between your feet, where the bottom bracket would be on your bike, there's a pivot, and there's a metal frame, and the metal frame is kind of like the front triangle of your bike, and it adjusts. It even fits Nate. <laughs> So yeah, it does. It fit, and how tall are you, Lee? I'm five eight and a half.
0: So it fit you. And then people
1: Nate, how tall how, are you?
2: People might not know this, but uh, I'm six foot six. <laughs> it's yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah I'm
1: <laughs> glad to see that because I don't get to see many people who are that tall. <laughs> you're, you're outside the bell curve, sir. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks for bringing the tallness. Uh, um, and so there's this frame that adjusts, and it has like a real handlebar. We have some wide grips on it, so you can pick your width. And then and then down. Near the pivot, there are these two hydraulic cylinders. One governs the pulling resistance, one governs the pushing resistance. They're independently adjustable. You can have anywhere from zero pounds at the bar to like over three hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, so like you know about deadlifting. Well, this is shred lifting. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> and, like so and so basically you can get on this thing. I ran these guys through the whole sequence yesterday. You can do kind of like a, a deadlift motion which is gonna activate your whole body. And what's important about that is, is it's training your hinge, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. Yeah. And it's training your hands to follow the exact pattern that the handlebars follow. Mm-hmm. The handlebars don't go up and down in bumps. They travel in an arc around your feet. That's really important to understand. Mm-hmm. So this machine trains that, and then you can get into all your your pumping patterns, your technical climbing, your hopping, your jumping. We didn't do it yesterday, we should do it today. Your cornering patterns can be practiced on this thing. Mm-hmm. So. Like we had like two three hours on that thing yesterday, and you guys were all sweating, and you're all kind of like looking like a little pale, like you were working hard, right? <laughs> was hard work, work.
0: work, super hard work.
1: Yeah. And, and and so then when we got on the trail, like I gave the speech in the car, right? Like, like I hope your readers are hearing this because I think you probably suffer from this affliction. Like we have terrible goals, terrible goals. How many of you guys have ever been out and you're just like, I just want to make this section. Hmm. Yeah. I want to make the drop. I want to make the jump. I want to make the technical climb. So when you tell your lizard, I just want to make it, this is what your lizard says. It's like, well, the prime directive of, a, of your lizard is don't die. The secondary directive is make babies pretty much, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so if, if you haven't given your lizard real skill, like the kind of kung fu that we worked on yesterday and where we find today, you're going to come into a section. If you're an alpine skier, you know how this looks. You naturally... Your lizard's going to be like, oh, I don't want to die. It's going to take your head and push it away from danger. Mm-hmm. Your butt will tuck down. Your shoulders will come up, right, Nate? Mm-hmm. You know?
2: That's when I crashed. That's mm-hmm. when you
1: crashed yesterday. <laughs> you did that, right? Yeah. Um, and, and here's the thing. If you're on a modern bike, Yeti or Specialized, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's the book. Because Jonathan's a Yeti uh, ambassador and <laughs> I've been with Specialized forever. Uh, if you're on a modern bike, you know, you might not die. Yeah. it'll be not good. you will make every mistake in the book, right? But you won't die. And your lizard's gonna be like, oh, right, cool. So like tension, leaning back, thinking terrible thoughts, talking bad about myself, that must work because it totally kept me alive last time. And then you make a pattern and it gets worse and worse. So like in the car, we talked about like, look, that's not a good bad goal. The new goal is to like feel, feel your hinge. Like feel that rowing pattern that we worked on the rip row that you already, I saw all three of you execute hundreds of reps, hundreds. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an archetypal pattern. I really believe that. So in your history somewhere, you've done millions of reps. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So then when we got on the trail, that's all we worked on, right? And so let's let's go back to Nate. So then like by the time you started like lapping the jump line, by the way, Nate was a affirmed roadie. Afraid of mountain biking. By the end of the day, he triathlete. was oh, triathlete. Triathlete. Oh, that's <laughs> worse. <laughs> I used to ride with a triathlete on the road all the time, a pro, and I would turn 40 miles on the ride. Exactly, he would turn 42 because he couldn't ride straight. <laughs> <laughs> he could there not go, go straight in a bike lane. Yeah. But 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 by the end of the day, like Nate was like turning laps on a jump trail. Like yeah. so, I hope yeah. that answers the question. Yeah. That was pretty long. Yeah, a no, better. absolutely.
2: So let's talk about. Um, Hip hinge because that I think is like that's the the foundation of kind of everything that w- that we did and I noticed that that's probably the biggest game changer for all of us or yeah. at least for Nate and
0: me yeah like I, I know so Chad when we were riding just uh, uh, last week mm-hmm. it was one of the things that I was trying to uh, trying to get across to you and and not being a, a, a mountain bike skills instructor certainly not even close to the level that you are. Uh, Lee, I, I didn't really know d- how to direct him into that position. And this was something that I thought was really interesting. I felt like the, you know, you mentioned when we were on that rip row machine, and hopefully you're looking this up so you can see what it looks like. So then you have some context right now, but
1: rip Oh yeah. There and
0: there's yeah. a
2: picture of me, right? Doing it on Facebook now. Yeah. On, it? Ripping yeah. it or video. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you're video me, you're so.
1: blowing up my inner, my Instagram account. Uh, there Too are. many likes. Yeah, oh,
2: good.
0: I have to take it down. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but when we when we were doing that, I felt like something that it very effectively did was it forced you to be standing through your legs, and then not be depending, putting all that weight on your arms mm-hmm. on the bars, Brugs. and that and but the uh, key with that was you got us into that position so that we were you know. Really putting that weight through our legs, right down into the bike toward the bottom bracket, and then when we were into when we were put into the hip hinge, it's kind of like a natural. And when we're talking about hip hinge, it's very much what it sounds like. It's hinging at the waist more than instead at the, of at the, at, the hips, at the hips. Forgive yeah. me. At the, the you the, you like at to the, hinge the waist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hinging at the hips instead of hinging at the at the at the ankles and the knees and bending. You know, putting that forward. And I find that a lot of people tend to you know, put a lot of weight on the bars and they do that, and it makes you so unstable when you put all that weight on those handlebars. I did
3: because your advice to me was drop the heels and lower your head. Yeah. And the heels, to some extent, took care of what was going wrong when I would drop my head Mm -hmm. without hinging. So it Mm kind of balanced out and it was kind of working. So I was like, oh, there's something to this. But as soon as we started practice the hinging, everything gelled just like that. Mm
2: -hmm. It helps so much. And the other thing about um, doing it at the – hips, (laughs) hips, <laughs> mm-hmm. not the waist, the hips is my legs would not be as tired. So I think we rode for like three hours. Your quads. Yeah. Yeah. My quads would not be as tired we Rode for more than that. So uh, yeah, but, yeah. but <laughs> either way yeah, that really took the, um, the strain off my legs. And I remember at Carson city, going down those uh, downhills, my quads got so tired trying to stand up the whole time. Can, can we dig mm. in on that? Like yeah, how many please. of you, yeah.
1: how many of you listeners when you're like, I know you train, you might even like train on an indoor trainer using some kind of software system. I don't know. <laughs> um, I heard that's that's pretty good for you. Um, <laughs> uh, but no matter how fit you get, you know how your quads just burn on downhills. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of you guys are shaking your head right now. That that's listen to me. That's bad form. Mm-hmm. And the good thing that about bad form is it's totally fixable. <laughs> Quickly and it's, too, and you can fix it like in a minute. And then of course it takes a couple lifetimes to get it perfect but right and so so like on the the rip row in the morning like you know i was like forcing nate to hold the position for a long time and you could hear and see i could see the energy coming out of his quads and then it it, like the feedback the biofeedback loop is amazing you're like oh if i just do this with my hips holy cow my legs don't hurt anymore Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i have more upper body strength which just happened right Mm -hmm. so right so you can really dig in on that it's a big deal And, and like that's the key like i told you guys yesterday right i said if you cannot, I'm going to say this positively, if you can hinge, you can ride. Mm-hmm. If you cannot hinge, if you cannot hinge when you're under stress, like I'm talking like Porcupine Rim Trail, you know, in, in Moab, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like crazy rocks in front of you, thousand foot drop to the freaking Colorado oh, River. Yuck. Nate to the side. One. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like Please. if you can't hinge, you, it's going to feel awful. hmm
2: and no. so what I was doing before wrong is, um, when someone would say, get low, I would just squat my whole body down, mm-hmm. um, and my, my knees. And I'd only be able to stay there for a little bit. Plus my weight would be so far forward that if I did hit the brakes, oh, my, my, my head would shoot forward. And this happened a yep. couple of times at Carson city and I get, uh, like the my front shock would dive. Uh, and I feel like yeah, I'm going to— front gonna... brake would grab so much harder because as oh
3: soon God. as you start to pitch forward, you grab the brake even harder, which exacerbates the whole yeah, problem. Yeah, so, so
1: right, Chad. So in that moment, like when you're off balance and you get pitched forward, what is your lizard doing? Panicking. It's freaking out. Yeah. The gyroscope send like i I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Let's talk about actually really quickly that reaction because I think the natural reaction in that spot is to throw break. your weight back and up kind of sit up, get away from the perceived danger, which is the ground in front of us, right? Mm -hmm. So we like kind of push up and get back. (laughs) Right. But that's not what we should do, right?
1: It's like the worst possible thing you can do. Like if any of you guys do alpine skiing, and it, it, it pretty much goes like this: like you call your orthopedist, she you goes, you go, I need an ACL, <laughs> and they say which side? I'm not sure yet. And you drop into a section and you lean back, and then the side will reveal itself. Like, <laughs> like You know, like exactly. that's how it is, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what. And so, yeah, like our and this is the thing about our, our our lizard. It's just like it is a profoundly powerful computer. It's the computer that lets you like crank out crazy quality work on deadline. It's -hmm. the the computer that lets you like carry groceries and like unlock your door, step in backward, not trip over your dog. You know, it's the one that allows you to win races, right? But it's simple. It's just like, don't die. Maybe make babies at some point. Don't dismember myself. There's like that set of directives. Mm -hmm. And there's like, okay, I have these arrows in this quiver right here. Unless you're like my friend Curtis Keene who woke up and was like amazing, <laughs> your arrows are going to look like tension, leaning back, thinking bad thoughts about myself, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we use, right? So what we want to do is we want to create a new quiver, right? And that's what we're about here, right? And like I saw it happening yesterday. I was watching Nate. Um, I kind of got, as a coach, you kind of know, like if someone just says to you, stop bothering me, I want to turn laps, you kind of know <laughs> that it's time to let him turn laps. He didn't say that. But I was watching him, and he was going fast mm-hmm. toward the end of the day, and and he was hitting some big bumps pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But, like, he had been training the pattern so much that, like, in the morning, he he came into a turn faster than normal, and he sat up and crashed. He was rewarded with the crash. But toward the end of the day, he was going way faster on a way sketchier corners and just executing. Right. So that was a situation where you're starting to override and your lizards like, wait a second. If I do this new thing, not only do I not die, it actually feels awesome. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. It's the feeling. And it's, what will happen to me is, um, we'll talk about breaking in a second too, but uh, the corners coming up and my brain goes, you're going too fast on this corner. Mm -hmm. I better get away from this corner. And I lean back and hit the brakes. And then my front wheel like gets like, starts washing, going back and forth. And then it Mm -hmm. either slides out or I, my heart jumps and I go, that was not safe. This is not fun anymore. Where if I would have just, so my reaction, we talked about this a lot yesterday. uh, When I get scared like that, instead of doing that, I need to, uh, have my default position be more lower hip hinge. A better position that you call the attack position in your, in your book too, Uh uh and get my weight better. And then I'll, I'll just come through the corner safely.
1: Totally. Or, you know, the, the, sometimes the option is jump off my bike. That's totally valid. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that like a low attack position, I don't use that terminology so much anymore because I'm not about positions anymore. I'm about, I'm about dynamics, but that low hinged attack position is kick butt because it gives you the range to do anything you need to do. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can, like, make a turn. You can break. You can go off a ledge. You can, like, generate the range of motion to bunny hop or jump. And also, if you have to get away from your bike, you, you, all your limbs are compressed, and you can just, like, jettison it. and mm-hmm. run.
3: Assuming you're not clipped in. Just no, You'll come out. No, that's you're, not as cleanly, but practice yeah. Practice that can,
0: today. Actually, <laughs> can, I, can, I, can
1: I tell you a lizard story? I was going to yeah. say, the lizard's really good at that. It, yeah, it, can i I'd like to share it's a lizard true. story about being clipped in. Yeah. Okay. okay. So... Um, I'm in my early 20s. My legs are shaven. I have a little rat tail on the back of my head with a pink bead in it that matches my Dayglo pink bike.
3: <laughs> for what it's worth, Lee and I are only, what, two, three years apart in age. So all this is very, very familiar. Right? <laughs> Painfully <laughs> familiar. I was like,
1: I waited for the rat tail to go out of style. Then I grew mine. Out. And I was all about the Dayglo pink. But anyway, I was I, back then, I used to commute on the road a lot. Hmm. You know, a lot. Like at one point I would do, um, 200 miles a week commuting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My doctor once told me, you know, there's no medical reason to do that. And I was like, you don't understand me, but he was, <laughs> but he was right anyway. So I was commuting and I'm, I had a diamond back. I had a diamond back master TG. Oh my God. It was a steel road bike. I spent all the money I had for this thing and I was doing the thing. I was trying to be a roadie and a triathlete. Right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, clipped into a pair of look pedals Dude, I'll never forget this, right? And I'm just like, it's like a six-lane huge road in Orange County. I'm about to turn left to where I work. And I'm clipped in, I'm, and I'm leaned up against like the little, like, the little like island sign in the middle of the, you know, the island. I'm just leaning, daydreaming, thinking about something. And I, there's this crazy noise, and I look, and all of a sudden, there's a car that had lost control. And it, was, and it was basically had been on the opposite sidewalk and it came off the sidewalk, hit the intersection and pitched sideways directly at me. Oh. Time stops, time stops. This is like the classic story, right? Of lizard behavior. I'm like, oh, that's a red Hyundai XL, right? <laughs> and there's the guy and he's screaming, he's fighting the wheel. And he's yelling, I'm sorry, because he knows he's about to kill me, right? And I noticed, like, there's, like, a feather hanging from his rear-view mirror. And I was like, why would a guy have a feather? You know? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had, like, brass knuckles or something on my mirror. And he had, like, a feather. And then I noticed, I was like, whoa. Like, it was coming right at me, right? And both the front and rear tire were barely turning, but they are turning in opposite directions. And I was mm-hmm. like, it took, like, in my mind, like, a minute to think about that. Like, whoa, that's weird. And then, right before it got to me, right, lizard, mm-hmm. I jumped straight up with such violence that I left my bicycle on the ground. I came out of my pedals. The car obliterated my bicycle, obliterated it, and I landed on my feet.
0: <laughs> that's amazing what it does, right?
1: Like, And that's lizard, dude. Yeah. I could never do that oh, yeah. in, in real life. But my lizard saved my life. yeah. And I basically did like a box jump from a pair of look pedals over a Hyundai Excel and, and landed on my feet.
3: disengaged from them in the process.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the crazy thing. Like if you want to talk about power, like in that moment, every motor unit in my chain fired, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and like that 20 pound bike felt, was laid, stayed on the ground. So that's lizard. That's my lizard story.
0: It's amazing. Like, and it's hard. It can be hard to, or not hard, but there's a lot of resistance, I guess, to just reprogramming that unless you go about it in the right way. And yesterday we saw that with your crash, Nate, you crashed. It wasn't anything. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a spectacular over the bars, terrible thing, but you got, you got pretty skinned up. It hurt. Yeah. It still yeah. hurts today. Your knees are really swollen looking. Yeah. So, um, Thought that was the vastus medialis. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> that's not muscle. <as> well. No, <laughs> we, we've talked about his legs being arrow before. They're not yeah, skinny. They're, not they're skinny, arrow. The arrow. Yeah. yeah there you go. Um, huh. But something that was interesting is as soon as you crashed, uh, Chad and I both were like, "Oh man, that's gonna knock him back a step." And Lee was just like, "Man, I got a process for this," and he started going to work on coaching you mentally
2: after that. Yeah, he was doing the whole time. But the first thing he did, and he got back, he goes. Like, ah, oh, and he's like, well, you know what? This is time to harden yeah, the, up. you know, <laughs> F, F yeah, up. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I I would never say that to people, but in that moment I could see you were at like an inflection point of like, oh gosh, like in your losers, like, I told you mountain biking sucks. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And you were like going down that rat hole. And dude, I have spent years in that rat hole. I don't want anyone who I care about to go there, dude. So right, I tried to pull you out, right? And yeah. you did.
2: And I got a couple, a little bit of like uh tough love. And we took a break and I was trying to like analyze it. I'm like, I think I went in wrong. And Lee actually yelled. He's like, it's
0: cause you sat back. Like, right. Well, and one thing that yeah. you were saying, which is super common, everyone's like my front wheel just washed out. And what
1: did I say?
2: No, it's because you, you, you sat up and, and but, uh, yeah.
1: Front Lee wheels backed. do not wash out. Yeah. People yeah. make mistakes.
2: Yeah.
0: And that crash is a consequence of your mistake. And that's something that's really important to think of. Like whenever you crash, and we, we talked about strange circumstances, like for, for when I, you know, handlebars break or something out of the yeah, blue, that's, that's something different. Right. But it, unless it's something like that, like a, you know, a mechanical malfunction like yeah. that, it's a consequence of something you've done and breaking that down would th- was that helpful to break down what you did to cause it and seeing that in perspective?
2: Mm-hmm. And then, um, I also, and then when we got, went back, um, after like, we had some tough love, then I got good love where it was like some more positive affirmation about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then I just had to, you know, I actually, I was, I was very dumb. I was wearing hip pads, but I wasn't wearing my knee and elbow pads. Cause I was like, Oh, this will be this just a pump track pump track. Five miles I don't need, know. Exactly. A very small
1: pump track. Can I have a public service announcement? Yes. If you ever look at a set of protective equipment and think, ah, I don't need this today. Turn around and put it on. <laughs> You'll need it that day. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, I have a full face. So, tonight, so today we're doing face. downhill chairlift up, down, and I have a full face mountain bike mask. Helmet, yeah. Yeah, helmet. And yeah. I was like, a mask would be bad. That yeah. probably wouldn't be that safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, um, Bane, like Elmer Floyd or yeah, somebody. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to wear that. I was kind of yeah. like trying to debate, and I'm like, no, you own it. it, just wear it. Like, I yeah, wear
1: it. It's good. Yeah, and yeah, you know what's it. kind of fun about a full face? is like some of the perceived speed that you feel is the noise. And, you're, and when you have a full-face helmet, you know this Jonathan from Rodimoto, Moto, right? Yeah. Yeah. The full-face helmet quiets it down and it kind of like re- reduces the perceived speed a little. I
3: find the same thing with earplugs. I mean, you can still hear most of what you need to hear, but it's toned down enough that, that it takes that that loud. Um, it's, not, it's not a scary Thing, but it's it's distracting and it's noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's noise. It's it causes well, some th- form of fatigue. Too. I think it is
2: scary because the faster you go, the louder it gets. So yeah, it's like another, it it's, it's feedback. Sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's loud. And you're like, oh my gosh, I must be going fast because it's yep. cacophonous. That's the word of the day. Yeah, yeah very good. And um, um, just came away. out of me, dude. I ten did points. go to college a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's in there. Um, so, it's in there somewhere. So Nate, I can, yeah, yeah, go we're ahead. Just
3: coming just back on Nate washing out or his front, front wheel or tire washing out in a turn. And we had a couple of hard berms and, uh, and a lip into the next berm. So there was a couple opportunities back to back carrying more speed than you're comfortable with you know, at times. And same thing, my, my front wheel would wash a couple of times. And normally that would be something that would psych me out. It's like, see, every time I try to turn hard, I lose that front wheel. But as soon as I recognized it, it was because I was coming up, even just a little bit, and it would wash just a little bit. If I came up a lot, it would wash a lot. Yeah. But now that I can pin it on something and I know that it doesn't wash when I stay down, it's hugely confidence inspiring.
1: Yeah, I, I like that so much. And like, I think fear comes from unknown. And this idea that, like, well, I just bought a ten thousand dollar bike. I I, yeah. I, I use trainer road, and I'm still crashing. What the heck, you know? And I don't understand. And I'm a victim of circumstance of some kind. Right. But like, if you understand, like, if you if you crash and you say, oh, right, like I did that thing. So okay, if I want to crash, that's how that's how I can crash. It's pretty reliable. <laughs> yeah. And if you decide. This is a personal decision that you'd rather not crash, and don't do that thing. Right, right.
2: And, and part of that too, what we talked about with um, with your lizard brain is, I need to do trails now too that aren't so far above my level, Dude. or else if it's too far above, the whole time I'm going to be leaning back.
0: That's right. going to alter that flow state that we talked about. That's a goal that isn't. That's an improperly yeah. set goal. That's my arousal
2: beyond. or my arousal will be a, a, a fifteen out of, Did, one out of ten. See, this I was can't. the argument we yeah. had. Like,
3: when my I talked arousal about, goes to eleven. Yeah, (laughs) When we were questioning whether or not Nate should get a full DH bike, gear up and and take some really treacherous downhills just to get a feel for what it's like to go fast over tough stuff. I was like, no, 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 that's absolutely backwards. Take it incrementally, get comfortable with each level along the way.
1: You guys totally get it. I mean, you totally get it, right? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Even though we, so we get it. I'm using (laughs) your It
0: doesn't mean that we actually apply it. And that's something that I found, like uh, we'll be talking about a lot of different things today uh, and we already have. But um, when we're talking about like, you know, the, the hinge point that we want to have and everything else and, and keeping that, keeping your upper body low, you, you feel like you're doing it great a lot of the time. And, but having that educated eye was so helpful, uh, something that, so my dad, for it was just the curse of my childhood. He loved to like film stuff on, on video. And it basically made me painfully aware of my inadequacies my whole life growing up. Right. Nice like dad. I felt like, yeah, I feel like I'm not in a leather couch right now, but, um, but in those moments when I thought that like riding dirt bikes my whole life. I just caught like 15 feet of air, man. That was pretty sweet. Then my dad films it. And I'm like, I don't think one tire actually left the ground, you know, like just <laughs> hardly doing anything, going into turns, man, I got really low that time. No way. I wasn't even close to getting low. Right. And what that taught me was that, um, a lot of the, t- that just having that external eye was, is something that is really important. Because our perception is certainly does not represent Invaluable. reality. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. that's a
1: deep truth right
0: there. Right. Yeah. Way yeah. <laughs> way to share, Jonathan. Sorry, all we got deep. Yeah. Thanks, oh, Chad. I, I appreciate felt, it.
2: I felt like I was getting as low as I could. Right. But every time Lee get lower, you're not low. Get mm-hmm. low. Well, you're not you're
1: low. you're tall, and so it's really common that tall riders. Number one, like we talked about this yesterday, most tall a lot of tall riders never stand up all the way. I think because they're used to talking to people my height. and they they never expressed their full like early on the ripper i was like dude extend your hip stand up and you're like oh right i am this tall so very few people can move well period like 99 percent of people have massive movement faults pro athletes do. we all do um tall riders tend to be lazy with the range of motion because like like you know we're like we're all riding like like um we're all different heights i'm actually the shortest of the group so like we we're riding like a. it was a good rock we rode. What it was a good 20. well it was as long as my arm is it was tall as my arm so it was about two feet tall yeah and so for me to ride that rock cleanly i had to use a hundred percent of my range of motion to roll it and to we're roll talking it, to about, roll it.
0: that was the interesting thing so there there are these rock drops and a lot of bike parks will have them and plenty of trails have them right, right. and i we looked at it to go over there and all i'm thinking of is yeah yeah this will be fun cool just best. pin it and send it right off that'll be great And I love that you had us work on instead of just doing that, because that's actually more simple movement in the end, even though it may feel more scary to carry more speed. It's actually easier, you know, biomechanically, but you had us roll over it, which was really smart. Um, And first of all, that, that, how you did that, you tested out the range of motion that we have, which... Usually when I look at something, I'm like, "Uh, I think my bottom bracket will hit. You know, I think of the geometry limiting or the limiting factors of the geometry of my bike. I don't have enough travel for that, right? Right. But you went down to it and you put your arm down to measure how much arm travel you would have, so to speak. Right. Because that would be the limiting factor in how you could separate your bike's movement from your body's movement and get over it.
1: Yeah. So, like, this is simplistic, but it's a good tool. Like, if you're you're ever, ever wondering, like, can I roll off this drop? a rock, say. We're in the Sierra range now. There's about a million, zillion of these things. Mm -hmm. I I just walked up to it. You saw me do it because I looked at it and I was like, huh, I wonder, right? And I walk up and I put my fist on the ground on the bottom of the rock and I look and I see how the top of the rock relates to my arm, my shoulder. This particular rock was right on my armpit. Mm. So what that meant mathematically for me is like, all right, well, I'm five, eight and a half and I happen to have a really good hip hinge. I'll say that because mm-hmm. I practice it all the time and I'm confident that I can do it. Right. So I knew that if I could get my, my shoulder all the way to the handlebar that I could roll that drop and it'd be perfect. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a really good indicator. Um, so back to Nate. So if that's hundred percent of my arm range, that's like 66% of Nate's arm range. And so it's really common that tall riders will kind of be lazy because they can kind of be lazy and, and accomplish some big moves with less of their – a smaller percentage of their range. Is that mm-hmm. making sense? Yeah. Perfectly. Mm-hmm. So what I was really fighting for Nate to do is to like, yeah, okay, I understand like, like, yeah, I can get away with it, but I don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to just get away with it. So basically like, you know, if I can do a two-foot roller, then maybe Nate can do like a two-and-a-half-foot roller, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so like being tall, having that range, if you can use it, if you have a rip row in your garage, (laughs) that's riprow.com. We're
3: taking pre-orders right now. Which by the
2: way, we'll have one soon. It's pretty much a done deal. So you have to, the thing though, is I have to be low before I roll that rock, right? You do, yeah. Yeah. And uh, people to picture it, you'd kind of go, um. It was a little slight downhill and there's the rock. And then there was a big downhill after the rock. So it's not like we're going over it, but it was more like a ledge that we're going down. That's two feet. Yep. And, uh, so I had to be super compressed and the more compressed I was before I hit that, the better I felt.
0: You're hinged. We should say. Yeah. 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 You're hinged. Yeah. Hinged. Yeah. We don't want people to think that like you're compressed, like doing a squat. squat, Remember? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how I think of it is, uh, back in the day, I used to watch inspector gadget. (laughs) <laughs> and he'd be chasing someone or, or the dog or whatever, and they'd have roller skates on <laughs> like their hands and their feet. Yeah. And they'd go on a, they'd be on the top of a building. Oh, yeah. And then when they go off a building, those would extend, but the body would stay at the exact <laughs> same place, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the feet that's would good. go back up. Totally. That's and, so rad. <laughs> and that's what I'm thinking of when I was doing it. Like yeah. my upper body isn't actually going to move. Is that right, Lee? And exactly. It's, it's just my legs and my arms that are moving. And the only way for that to happen is for me to be compressed like a spring. Well, not hip hinge, sorry, yeah, yeah. Okay. but I'm just thinking of Inspector Gadget, right? Right. Before that, so that there's travel, right? Yeah. So it's like my, it's like my uh, suspension is compressed yeah. and then mm-hmm. it just fills the hole as this, I go over it. I, I think
1: that's beautiful mm. and you, you're totally right. And, and and you have like, I don't know, I'm looking at you you have like close to three feet of suspension mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on a downhill bike. You have eight inches, maybe to 10 inches, let's say that's completely passive and reactive. You have three feet of completely anticipatory suspension. It's like the best suspension ever invented, Mm -hmm. right? I like the
2: way too, you described it in the car as um, a tall rider riding like it's a hovercraft. So as you're going over like a rock garden or something, you're kind of hovering over it because you're, um, in the terms of your body's, your suspension is doing it and your main like torso, isn't bouncing around. So before I might be like leaning back and sitting on the saddle, and Jonathan's actually heard me do this on a fat bike. <laughs> oh, it's terrifying! <laughs> it's I yeah. just bounced around everywhere. It Son- sounded
0: all- like somebody released an elephant down the trail. It was just like <laughs> <laughs> it was, it yeah. was crazy. Start riding for
2: your life. Yeah, yeah. I crashed on that one too. <laughs> yeah. But it, the idea that your body's kind of still and it's all through the hinge that's absorbing everything.
1: Yeah, you know, and and um, yeah, Jonathan mentioned we we're talking about Greg Menard, who's one of the true masters of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And he's also at least 6'3". So that guy knows how to use his range. And I think Jonathan was talking about him as being a hovercraft. Yeah. I've learned a lot from watching him Minara ride a bike. And so here's the interesting thing. Like, so when we're working on that drop, right? This is mandatory. When you get to the precipice, you need to be in that deep hinge. Yeah. You have to be, and you have to be ready to extend with your arms first. So like, you know, just like, yesterday was a good case study. So like for Nate, it's like, it takes a lot of mental effort yesterday. To be in that hinge so in that situation you start your hinge like 10 feet back right and you make sure it's good and then when you get to the rock you execute like for jonathan like he kind of was getting it quicker right so then for him like this, this is the same piece of terrain and we were both having the same flow experience from what i could see mm-hmm. so for for jonathan then um inspired by Minar himself what we're doing then is like instead of getting low ahead of time and then just pushing off in one moment with jonathan we were practicing coming in high which is actually more like efficient. It's easier to stand up than to crouch all day, right? And to kind of like draw on your mind, like if you go off this ledge down this hill, like what parabola would your head follow, right? Mm-hmm. And then right as you get there, then to hinge and throw it, th- push the bike down. Mm-hmm. So it's just like just in time delivery. And so like, that's like, it's the same piece of terrain. It's the same basic result, but that's how you can scale like to a higher level, right? Yeah, you and
3: know? it's it's funny the way that clicks, just kind of clicks in too. Cause I did the same thing. I was gonna save it, but I couldn't get clipped into my pedal. I got clipped in just before the drop. Seat post was still up. And you still and didn't? It be, and and it, the, you know, in the nick of time, certainly not consciously, I dropped my body, rolled it, no problems. It was great.
1: I remember you made we were making excuses. I was like, actually, um, that was perfect. Didn't even need to drop yeah, the saddle. So <laughs> that's the funny thing. We all love dropper posts, yeah. but if you have a hinge, you don't need one. Yeah. We, I, they're still awesome. They're, oh dude, yeah! I, I am not telling anyone, like, it, it's the year 2017 <laughs> dropper seat Yeah.
2: They're it, awesome. Going back to two being the, the, where you, uh, the efficiency, the Jonathan's level of it, that's two. When you watch world cup, uh, cross country racing, they're mm-hmm. always up mm-hmm. being efficient, kind of legs locked. Yep. And then when it comes to something, boom, they're in that position yeah, and then they're out of it.
1: It's so fast. That you'll you'll miss it unless you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're missing it, and like and like I, I'm a, like I told you guys yesterday. I think I have like a math brain, an engineering brain, but I have a liberal arts education. So <laughs> my math ideas go way past my ex- ability to express math. But I do know that if you want 15 miles an hour, that's 22 feet a second, mm-hmm. right? So here's a thought experiment. You 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 come, and this is interesting. Like let's talk about like a series of those ledges, right? There's a series, and let's say that like the cycle on each of those ledges is five and a half feet you have a quarter second to push the front end down. We call that an anti-row and then come back to balance and we call that the row. You mm-hmm. have a quarter second for each of those cycles. Mm-hmm. That means that each of those movements is an eighth of a second. So if you're shooting video at what, 30 frames a second, right? What are you talking about? Like three or four frames yeah. per movement? Super easy to like to miss. And so and so like to, to the to the eye, it looks like Danny Hart or Aaron Gwen or Lee McCormack, you know, all the yeah <laughs> <they're> <laughs> all, <grits>. the <laughs> yes, all the <laughs> best, all the best. Or Lopes is still one of the best ever. Yeah. Um, it looks like they're floating, and they are, but but this is the cool thing, right? If, if, if the terrain is gnarly, if there's a lot of speed and there are big angle changes, the only way for you to keep your head, your central nervous system, let's say, like still, is to exert beautiful violence with your hands and feet. Mm. And, 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 like, we like to train it in the gym on the rip row. Right. So you can go slow, high resistance to make that neuromuscular pattern. Right. Mm. And then when you get to that, then it's like, it, then it turns into like a Bruce Lee one-inch punch where it's like a millisecond, bam, and it keeps you safe.
0: You know, something on the, on rowing and anti-rowing that, uh, so basically we're very much talking about those motions. So picture those, like, you know, if you're on a rowing machine pulling, you know, or I yeah, should say when your hands come in, that would be like a row. When your hands go out, that would be an anti-row. But something that I think was really important that we highlighted yesterday was that the rowing and anti-rowing doesn't necessarily come from your hands and your arms when
3: you're rowing in like that or pushing out. Which is exactly why we don't call it, I asked him why, why we don't call it push and pull. Exactly, right. because yeah, it, it's not that. a push.
1: It's a, it's a valid question. And like, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm, a, I'm like an information design nerd and I've studied like the greats, like Edward Tufte. And I, and I understand that it's bad communication to make up a word. I know that's bad form and I and I worked really hard not to make up a word, but I had to. Um so rowing is a word and, and understand that rowing is and if you've ever been on the erg, you know, I call it these days since I have a rip row now, an old fashioned, stable, unidirectional rowing Contraption, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is so disappointing. So. <laughs> I just superseded it, but anyway, uh, but but you know, like basically the, the 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 movement pattern. This is the same as like a lot of rock climbing, uh, Olympic lifting, moving furniture. It's the same stuff, right? Yeah. It's like fire with your glutes and your legs, and then finish it with your lats. So like it's a row is a combination of hip, knee, ankle, and upper body pull right
3: yeah
1: mm-hmm. um, and, and we, notice that you didn't say it's it's a clenched hand fist pull move right and that's
0: something that's like so right. i see so many riders make a mistake when, you know especially when we get under duress when oh, we're riding much. yeah first thing we do is just clamp down on I'm going to manhandle this bike with my hands mm-hmm. and yeah. it's the and it's the it's the worst thing once again to do it so doesn't work right it's very hip driven it, it
1: is it, it should be and then the anti-row is the opposite thing so where where you're bringing your feet here's a simple way to put it right in a row your feet are going away from you and your hands are coming towards you Mm-hmm. Your center in an anti row, your f- your feet are coming towards your center, and your hands are going away from your center. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, how the bike the the bike the body is structured, it's like oh right, you have these huge pushing muscles in your butt, and you have these massive. I'm looking at Jonathan. You have these massive pulling muscles in your lats. That's right, we
0: do <laughs> massive lats. Massive, yeah. and then you're <laughs>
1: supposed to have a really engaged core.
0: Yeah, that holds it all together. Supposed yeah. to have, which I, which he's looking at me again there. Yeah, right, right. You
3: <laughs> know. Well, that was another one of those things. As soon as you let it slip, you you recognized it in the way you were handling your body. Yeah, you could tell. Right so,
1: so like at, at the high level, which is like the only level I think it makes sense to go for. Right, yeah. otherwise you're wasting your time, and your money. Um, it's row anti row, and so like each of those cycles, you're you're generating a lot of torque between your hands and your feet. And it needs to be, it needs to be um, cyclical and needs to be connected. And if, like, I'm going to guess, like, 99% of you, without training, your core is not on the right way, right way. and then you, 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 your middle body isn't on. And here's the thing, right? Like, your lizard's like, don't die, remember? Mm-hmm. And don't dismember myself today. So if your core is not on, if the middle of your body is off, i I look in the chat, if your core is off, then what part of your body will your lizard try to use?
3: Your arms, your arms or legs? About your yeah. limbs.
1: Yeah. Your mm-hmm. limbs, right? And yeah. your limbs end up getting hard, and and those are pretty puny muscles, and they're made for kind of action, yeah. not like deep kind of endurance, like your core, and they get tired. Yeah, right.
0: You know something that you mentioned yesterday on the concept of rowing and anti-rowing. I started to think of every, not just going over because we talked about going over a rock and how we would, you know, you're, you're anti-rowing down the rock, and then you're basically rowing when you come out of it. But we started to, we we were employing that on a pump track and every bump you find basically, you know, like you mentioned like an inflection point where, you know, as you're halfway going up and halfway going down these bumps, you want to start that row and anti-row. But that changed my perspective on seeing every foot of every trail that I ride as opportunities to be able to employ this, to maintain control and momentum. Mm -hmm. And that was something that Uh, so basically instead of just looking at this, even though it's fantastic, instead of just looking at this as something to negotiate a tricky obstacle, it's something that can be utilized everywhere to, and it's extremely efficient. It's, it's very energy efficient when done right. And we were riding a short loop. Uh, it was kind of like a downhill little jump line and it had a huge berm in it. And I was actually utilizing that in multiple spots to be able to actually change direction on the course shift from left to right to left Mm -hmm. to right. And it allowed me to to make use of that terrain to maintain more momentum and control. Whereas if I just went straight, I would have been carrying probably enough speed that I would have kind of jumped loosely off of one jump and went into the next. But because I was searching for those spots to be able to employ that and, and pump as mm-hmm. we talk about and we'll get into that allowed me to maintain that control
3: that I needed. And, and, and not momentum. to sound like an advertisement, but more of an endorsement of the, um, rip row, is we practice that beforehand and, and, and right away, it was easy to, to get in touch with that because if you think of being like on a concept to rower, yeah. I mean, you can get the row motion, but you can't reverse it. You can't get a feel for what it's like to reverse that whole set, that sequence of events.
1: Right. And you can't make it cyclical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: that too, uh, To Just, I want to say, we're not getting any money for rip row stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we aren't. Lee's not giving us any money None. for this. No, uh, no, well, it's just that good of a tool. Well, one yeah. thing, um, that I really like that you said is, a, uh, like a corner. Is like a sideways hole. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. can you talk about that and kind of how you can row and anti-row inside of a berm?
1: Sure. And so, yeah, I think we should back out a little bit because we haven't really defined like how row anti-row like works in the the real world. So, like, 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 if you have one of my books, like, you'll you'll see that I was thinking a lot about up and down, Mm -hmm. right? And this is where this is where Jonathan was yesterday when he when he showed up on the bike, Mm -hmm. and I really was thinking like, oh, if the trail is going down, push down. Mm-hmm. If the trail's going up, pull up. And actually that worked. It worked pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been at this for a long time. And I think finally the universe is starting to like grant me secrets. Because <laughs> I've been like <laughs> put so Certain much insight. time in. Like, <laughs> As a matter of fact, one time, like the very first idea for the first notion of the rip row, I was in, in Arizona and I had a, a flu so bad that I had to cancel like a $2,000 day. Oh. I've never missed work, ever. And I was just like in a, the worst motel six you've, you've ever seen. Just delirious, having the flu, and then I think God was like, "Dude, okay, you're cool. You've been working for You've this. Suffering enough for your <laughs> and, then he gave, and he gave me like the first, the first idea. You're nice. That was there like six are. years ago. So um, so, but now I understand that like, well, yeah, your legs should cycle up and down, and if you're a bump skier, everything you know about skiing, what your feet do, this is important, everybody. It's the same exact thing because skiing in the ontology of human activities is lumped under the shredding kingdom. <laughs> nice.
0: Notice that all the sports <laughs> I do is they yeah, fall within that shredding kingdom. <laughs>
1: motocross, inline skating. Yeah, that's right. Um, Rollerblading. I, I used to do that. I used to, like, the only thing, Embarrassingly, like, like you know, less masculine being a rollerblader is I used to be a speed skate rollerblader. You know, <laughs> but anyway, that um, far. But, but that's, yeah. that's all. Yeah, that's right. But, but anyway, um, it's all under the shred. And so like legs, legs, on the bike, legs and skiing should do the same thing. I'm just throwing that out there, if you're doing it well. And then I started realizing, well, well, wait a second, like the hands don't go up and down. They don't, they fall, like, and I realized, wait a second, the bike rotates under your body. So wait a second, do the handlebars actually follow an arc kind of like around your feet? Like, are they on like a lever? Like if you simplify the front triangle of your bike into like a line with your handlebars in the end, don't the bars just follow that arc? So I drew something up. You know, in like a graphics program, and I took it to like a metalworking shop in Boulder. I was like, Can you guys weld one of these for me? They're like, Yeah, sure, dude, whatever. And I brought it home and I was like, Holy cow, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. That was Rivero Mark I. We're on Mark Seven now. That's right. Where the magic began. That's where the magic started. And I started understanding, like, okay, so the arms are pulling and pushing mm-hmm. along the specific arc. And my gosh, it works great. And then I was like, Right, but the legs are doing stuff too. And like and then like it's, I started feeling like, oh my gosh, time out. This has been here the whole time. And like, depending on what state you're living in and what the league the laws are around like medicinal, you know, mood enhancement, you know, if, if you're one of those people or you just are so tired you can't think straight and you're riding, your bike has been doing this the whole time. But when we're awake or I guess when we're awa- – here's one. The more awake you are, the more asleep you are, man. deeply <laughs> <laughs> deep. You know. So, yeah, deep. that's why. That's why you pay the big bucks. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we have too much tension to feel it. So I started realizing that, wait a second, like there's this like, like integrated pattern that happens to underlie moving furniture, making a family, rock climbing, cross-country skiing, all manners of cycling, do um, – being a linebacker, it's the same stuff. Right. And I started realizing, okay, so it's not up and down. It's like, imagine everybody, imagine a sine wave and a good example of a sine wave is like a BMX track or a pump track. That's like a literal sine wave and visualize like, okay, like, like, yeah, I know you're thinking about up and down, but don't think up and down anymore. Think, am I on a crest? Is my bike rolling across a crest or am I rolling through a trough? And when you're rolling across a crest, visualize this. Your handlebars are going away from you, mm-hmm. and your hands are kind of coming towards you. I mean, I'm sorry. Your hands are going away from you, and your feet are kind of coming towards you, aren't they? Mm-hmm. As you come up that front of the crest, that's the anti-row. And then we, we did this yesterday, right, like where I walked my bike on the track. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, like, there's a certain point, like, as you get to the to the backside, in in geometry it's called the inflection point point. and all you math teachers if you want kids to love math dude take them to the pump track mm-hmm. or actually you know what uh, uh, i know of high school programs who use my pump track ebook and math class to design and build pump track nice. be, i want that class is, is that the sickest that thing ever awesome. because you do all the math and they're like okay jonathan your project with chad is you have to calculate how much dirt we need
3: that's awesome
1: Right? Yeah, that, only I mean, in Colorado. That's, yeah. That's applied. Yeah, a pl- man, only in Colorado, right? Yeah. And they're yeah. like, right. That's a Boulder High School deal, right? Yeah, it's Boulder High School, right? <laughs> and then, and then in, in auto shop, they're actually like welding, titanium, dirt jump by. bicycles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 like, this is the deal, right? This is the new model that I teach, that I live, is like, if you're in a trough, so you're going over a crest, it's that anti-row. Feet coming towards you, hands going away from you. And there's a moment, right, as you go down the backside where you pass the inflection point of the wave where the bars start to come back towards you. Mm -hmm. It happens. It's been happening all these years. We just were so awake we were sleeping, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start the row. And so this is kind of awesome. Are you ready? Like I used to think that like, oh, right, pumping is if you push it, say like the backside's 45 degrees. If you push straight down, some of your energy will translate forward. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. Mm, Some of it. Right? Some of it. And so some of it heats up the oil in your suspension. So you're the person who's responsible for entropy. The reason that like the universe is going toward a state of, state of disorder, every time you push your bike down into a backside, entropy. It's your fault. Um, and, and I know this too late. A lot of that energy just smashes the cartilage in your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't have any left. Oh,
3: so makes... I've, I've literally given my
1: life to
0: this.
3: I'd be day. willing to bet Jonathan sacrifice some too.
1: Oh, I'm sure I have. Right. Oh, with all the years of
0: motocross? Yeah, oh, here dude. me. Yeah,
1: here like, yeah. it's bad. Pardon my French. As <laughs> awesome as we think we are in mountain biking, it's pale to like any kind of motocross. That's yeah. like the aspiration. If you're a two-wheeled athlete. Yeah, yeah. That's where it's at. So yeah. so that that worked, but it wasn't great. So this is the new thing. In, in, it, it, when you go over a crest... This could be the crest of a pump track. This could be the top of a rock. This could be going off a drop like we did yesterday. This could be flying through the air in a jump, right? Mm -hmm. The bars are going away from you no matter what. You're just going to help them. It's unloaded. You're not pushing your fork into the ground at all. It's Mm -hmm. completely efficient, right? And then, like, it's just like in, in, in fighting or any kind of dynamic activity, if you push really hard away, that loads you then for a powerful row for the reverse. Mm-hmm. And when you go through that trough, right? It could be the space between two rollers. It could be like when we were jumping rhythm on jumps yesterday. Mm-hmm. It could be like like the, the 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 big trough between two jumps. Today it'll be like the space between two crazy big rocks. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a creek bed. Doesn't matter. Right? When you row through that, like visualize you're standing on your feet. There's this lever from your feet to your hands. That's lever 1. Okay? And there's lever two, that's the lever that goes from your feet to your rear hub. Can you guys visualize that out there? Mm-hmm. It's a really simple, like a scooter kind of. When you row and you give like 100 pounds of pull with your hands, that puts 200 pounds to the back tire, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So what you've done is like you've controlled the angle of the bike so you stay balanced and you've thrown leverage into the, into the rear tire. And if you've been rip rowing and deadlifting and living a good life, you can make – hundreds of pounds more pressure with your legs at the same time, they happen together. So that's where that pumping power comes from. And of course, like that then becomes the next anti-row. And so what we wanna do, and it could be in a really big way or it could be a really subtle way, this is what Jonathan's getting to, is we wanna always be propagating this row anti-row. And what ends up happening, you can see on my websites, that your hands end up following this elliptical pattern. Mm -hmm. Relative mm-hmm. to your head, it becomes round and it starts to feel amazing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And powerful. And so it, you could be on more or less flat ground doing like a tiny, like one inch one, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to a big shape. Since the, the muscles are already firing and the pattern's there and the circuit's full of electricity, you just, boom, do a bigger one, right? So I'm I'm hoping this is all making sense. So yeah. So all bumps are waves. Yeah. All bumps. Even it, turns. And thank you now if you're a skier you get this i hope maybe a, a if you're turn, a good skier you get this sorry yeah. if you're a good skier if you're you a get good this. skier and by the way i'm going to throw this out the psia is in the business of teaching ski lessons yeah for your whole life they're not in the business of the grand unified theory of shredding They make it really complicated <laughs> right right so if, if you were to take a bike class with me and then go skiing it would make a lot of sense that was a Commercial, I guess, I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> but so so a turn is energetically the same thing as a hole, it's just sideways. Berms are obvious, mm-hmm. but ultimately, you guys are gonna feel this today, flat turns are, are, are the same way. So here's a thought experiment. Like you're going along flat ground into like a big bowl. So you're gonna come and you're gonna kinda like, like anti-row or push the bike into the hole. Mm-hmm. You're gonna row through the hole and you're gonna anti-row out. Mm-hmm turn that like sideways, that's how we corner. And so what we end up doing, this is again back to skiing, cause it's all the same, is like when you ski pretty well, you come in, your feet, I mean, you're, you're actually like bolted to the middle of the ski, pretty mm-hmm. much, mm-hmm. right? So your, your weight's in the middle of the ski. But what you'll do is you'll come in and you'll like, you'll lever the toe edge into the turn. So in that moment, your weight's in your feet, mm-hmm. but the, there's a lot of leverage on that edge mm-hmm. and it starts to carve. And as you go through the corner, then you're going to not apply your weight. Your weight stays on your feet. You're going to apply leverage through the ski to the back of the ski. And that's why skis will kind of pop out of a turn into the next turn. Yeah. And I know when you're at work, you're watching pink bike videos of people just like like hopping between corners in BC, right? Mm. That's what they're doing. So, so like, like back – this is like the longest answer ever. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, good stuff. But Nate asked, like, how's that apply to cornering? Like, so w- waves are waves. Um, in the beginning, it's easiest to understand it straight. Yep. Next level is a berm. And you guys were all getting it. Mm-hmm. And the next, next level, which is going to happen today, you can learn to, to do it on flat ground. And then next, next, next level, your lizard's like, ooh, that looks like a sketchy turn. It's sand. Instead of thinking like, what's my coefficient of friction with these tires? And oh my gosh, how do I use 99% of it so I don't lose the race, but not use 101% of it so I don't die? You know what I mean? That's yeah. a stressful way to look. You're just going to apply more power to it. And you're going to row through that thing, and you're going to get that snap, and you're going to create effectively infinite traction.
0: Yeah, pretty awesome stuff.
2: The other thing that really helped me, especially with the lizard, is again, if I get into a spot where we're going too fast, uh, I get scared. Is we did a a, a braking drill, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. to weight more on to weight your tires. We did it two ways. One was just uh, shifting your weight back, and then. Putting on the brakes. But the part I really liked and that really connected with me was we did a hopping drill where every time we landed on the hop, we did a little bit more of braking. Mm-hmm. And then when I would then get a hop or go into like a hole on the, the pump track or um, on one of the sol- solemn things I was doing, mm-hmm. there's where I applied the brakes, I'd have so much more traction mm-hmm. and then I'd have a good speed that I was comfortable with so then I could progress and I wouldn't like... Get in that really scared state, right? I, I could maintain my speed. Where somewhere else, I would just ride the brakes the whole way down. It
3: just opened our eyes to how much pressure we can put, or how much weight, or we can put on that rear wheel and yeah. and slow things down in a hurry, even in pretty loose condition. Actually, well, very loose condition. It's
0: yeah. probably the loosest you'd find. It was yeah. gravel. Like and we're not loose, talking. We're not pad. talking yeah. like gravel. Like what roadies take Instagram photos of when they get on a dirt road for a bit. <laughs> Look at talking. me on the back yeah exactly <laughs> we're talking like actual small chunked
2: up sharp rock on top of very hard dirt it just it to it before i would i know i would try to break when i was unweighted mm-hmm. right and now i'm trying to avoid that and wait until i'm weighted and then use the braking to slow me down and it's more efficient and it's safer and it feels like you can feel it too yeah it feels a lot better can, and,
0: and i want to get into this I and mean, we kind of like uh, we were talking about it yesterday uh, that this gives you so much control over it. You can kind of like place your braking strategically where you want to place it. Mm. But one thing that I think was really helpful for us and helpful for a lot of other people, uh, hopefully this would be is understanding that when you're breaking, uh, first of all, you know, being in the right position, like we've talked about, obviously is key. Like Nate, you said earlier, if you're in the wrong position, you break your weight goes forward, it's scary stuff, mm. but you have so you have way more braking power in you than you think if you're just pulling your brakes. And mm-hmm. that is by, you know, dropping those heels we did yesterday. First of all, we were in the proper position, but we dropped our heels and we are strategically shifting our weight backward. Very
3: rare word, depending.
0: Yeah. Depending on that it, within reason. It's not like we were, you know, like, uh, it's not like we were just straight arms all the way back, you know, ghost driving. Cause, cause too
1: far back is ultimately more dangerous than too far forward. Mm-hmm. It's more catastrophic like yeah. loading a catapult. So like, oh, yeah. Right? So like we talked yesterday about the the pendulum that hangs from your belly button all the time, hanging right through the bottom bracket. So like when you break, what does that pendulum do? Where does it go? Forward toward the front wheel. Right. And so like, if if, if you're on earth and there's one G trying to accelerate you downward all the time Mm -hmm. and you break with one G, then what's the angle of the pendulum? 45 degrees, yeah. Yep, 45. Right. So then like look at your bicycle, everybody right now (laughs) and draw a 45 degree line, Backward from your bottom bracket over your back tire, you see that? That's where your belly button should be. Hmm. Where should your? Where does that put your butt?
0: If, if further behind and, back and lower as well. Lower. Is Super the key part. close to your rear tire.
1: Totally. So that's the third brake. That tire. That's the third brake. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like, it and was like and if third you're in a hinge, yeah. quite And you too. get all the way to that. And I do when I ride my 29er a lot. Um, that's full range. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not getting that third brake, buzz. Hmm this is important. You still have range of motion that that you're not using.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And th- that, I think the getting low with that braking is so important. That just helps yeah, so said,
3: much. I said, you can convey a, a whole lot of weight to that rear tire. I guess it's more about leverage then. Yeah. It's, it's
1: it's, it's in like, like I, I kind of like this idea, like that we make everything simple, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm I, before all this, I was an information designer and infographics guy. So like, I'm all about like, and I'm software designer too. Just trying to make things complicated simple, right? And I think I think that's one reason the universe made me for this particular job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like my my experience as a rider, my experience as a information designer all leads here, right? Um my experience as a traumatized downhill racer <laughs> helps me understand fear <laughs> in a pretty deep way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I want it to be simple. So the row anti row, like I'm saying this today, is the ultimate like expression of, sh- of shred. Mm-hmm. It also happens to be an archetypal, useful u- human pattern that allows you to move furniture like crazy mm-hmm. and like just be a functional human being. And like I have two girls, they're twins, they're like 60 pounds each now. And if they come running for me and they want to jump on my shoulder, I can handle it. Yeah. Which is, by the way, if you're a dad, like that's like functional strength. Yeah. Because mm. if your kids want a rough house and be, have you carry them around, that's something you need to do, right? Yeah. Um. So it's simple. And, and so in, in, inherent in that is this heavy light cycle. Yeah. And so like uh, I want when you're riding, I want the decision tree to be dead simple. I, want, I don't want any kind of like questions about like, should I be heavy, light, forward, back? Right? Like we, we worked on this in the gym yesterday here at Trainer Road. It's like, okay, this is exactly where your knees should always be. Never move them. Yeah. Okay. Your hips can only exist on the end of your femur. Fair to say, yeah, it would be painful if they didn't, yeah, like I hope, so <laughs> yeah. like look at your hips can only exist on this arc, yeah, check it out, if your core is on your shoulders are chest your hips, and your shoulders have their arc and and like the same way, if you're like using like some kind of like training software on your indoor bicycle trainer <laughs> that you understand that your 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 pedals follow a three hundred fifty millimeter circle, and you should just get good at that, your body and the bike have its own their own set of uh, set of arcs, right? Mm-hmm. And your elbow has its arc and, and your handlebars have their arcs. So we teach it ourselves to make them all coincide. And this is something you can practice really well, of course, on a rip row. You can start to practice it pretty well on a palm track, right? Mm-hmm. And and so then everything we do is gonna be some permutation of executing those patterns. So back to breaking, right? Like Braking and turning are situations where you need traction. Is that fair to say?
0: Yes. Yes. Desperately.
1: And so how much traction, like like you're like running some pretty like racy cross-country tires, Jonathan. Yep. Yeah. And pretty firm suspension. Yep. And you live in Reno, so it's all loose over hardback. Yes. How much, what's the coefficient of friction of your tires on this dirt? I have no
3: clue. Not great.
1: Oh, you don't know? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're riding, and if you're passive with your weight, like how hard can you corner? It's if I'm passive with my weight, I'm instantly
0: limited. And I, it, here's the interesting thing: if you're passive with that, you're just waiting for traction to go away. So yeah. that's all you focus on is the fact that I'm going to lose traction at some point. You know that's how I
3: used to ride. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, like on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah right. Wednesday.
2: Wednesday. Yeah. So that's the question, right? And like, yeah, right. today's today's Friday, and yeah. we did. And we so did like,
1: like I record. have a bike with like steel coil suspension, Owens, two point five. DHR DH. I've got a lot more traction than you, but it's still finite. Yep. And I still don't really know how much there is. Yeah. So then, like, so then, Chad. Like, okay, knowing what we know about heavy light and about how our lizard works and how we don't, how we deal with the unknown. So, what should we do in terms of our wave every time we break? Stomp on it. Magnify it. Yeah. Right. Create a wave and then get heavy. Yeah. What about for cornering?
2: Same thing. Magnify it.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's like. Um, yeah. That's it
2: and that felt so good yesterday i got that concept on some of the um the slalom stuff mm. as i would push into a berm mm. oh my gosh it feels so good i would i burns be, are eye openers that made me want to do it again and again and again and again <laughs> yeah. and again
0: right yeah you know and s- something about this uh this is a little bit higher level in the breaking stuff but um, something that we referred to in my motocross days was digging for speed. And the way that you would do that is you break down the whole track and you look at every single foot of that track as an opportunity to be carrying more speed, right? So when you start doing that, you start thinking, how much time am I spending braking? Could I be spending more time on the gas and then just brake more efficiently a little later? Mm-hmm. That would mean that I'd be carrying more speed over more distance on this course, right? And with mountain biking, a lot of the time we tend to just ride the brakes coming into a tricky section or going through a tricky section. We just ride the brakes. But yesterday, thinking of it from this perspective, number one, feeling the control that I could have by magnifying my weight when I was braking, it, it, it changed my perspective. And I thought, hey, I could strategically place my braking in the right spot coming through something thusly carrying way more speed through a section. And also that would allow me to place my control points, right? And almost be like, I'm going to break here and I'm going to compose myself here. And I'm going to break here and compose myself here. Almost like checkpoints to know that I'm not like, getting out of control here. And I'm not waiting for something to happen. I'm taking control. You're making it happen. Yeah.
1: That's just beautiful, dude. It so awesome. it's
0: so rad. And you like, can put that in your book right I, there. I'm going to do, gonna, do yeah. it for sure. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Today at North
2: Star, I've already envisioned myself like so I'm, good. <laughs> I'm picturing a turn coming up and I'm picturing going fast and I'm picturing going over little rocks. And as I, the feeling of, as I go over that rock and then I, on the other side, I'm going to be pushing down. Yeah. That's the time I'm going to just slow down a little bit and then kind of flow through the turn. And I'm mm. trying to, I really like the idea of, so of positive, mm. you know, visioning what you want to happen. Yeah. Right. Totally. When you're not riding. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm, I keep thinking of that whole thing and those are usually the scary things. Right. Yeah. For me at least is I would break right on the top of that rock. Right. Yeah. When I'm totally unweighted oh, yeah. and, then, exactly. and then I would hit and both my wheels would be unlocked and I'd. Whoa! And right. Then, totally. Yeah. And your
1: lizard's like, I, I, I really hate turning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep. and I and I hate rocks too. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> mountain biking is not that much fun.
0: And that's a terrible way to think. Mountain biking is so much
1: fun. You guys, you guys totally get it. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I like the way you talk about placing your braking. Yeah. It's really cool. And and, and by the way, like if, if you're mine, especially like if you're the kind of person who's listening to this, you're probably more analytical than kinesthetic. Mm. I'm just going to throw that out there.
0: I'd say that's probably. That's inaccurate. I'd say that's a safe assumption. It's a
3: safe bet, yeah.
1: Because well, the kinesthetic people are out shredding. They're not yeah. listening to us talk. Well, we're
3: <laughs> the dumb
2: people. Everyone who lives <laughs> is smart. <laughs> See, that's fair. And like,
1: again, like short term dumb people have more fun. So, like, like, and I saw this with Nate a lot yesterday, right? It's like, this bugs Jonathan too, but he's got like a deeper reservoir of like kinesthetic. He's got a bigger kinesthetic library than probably all of us. Um, like, your mind's worrying all the time. Oh my God, what well, if this happens? What well, if that happens? Uh, is my tire pressure right? You know, uh, I, when I got here, he was like, which tire should I ride? You know, he's like freaking out about his tires. Yeah. And I'm like, the ones with the big soft side knobs, done. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. we want a tire of impunity. Yeah. We don't want to be worrying about that stuff. Mm. So like, that's how we're made. Most of the people who are sitting here and the people who are listening are made like that. So here's the deal. Like when I started coaching, I would always tell people, relax. Nate, relax. Dude, relax. And one of my rules now is if I say something three times and the client doesn't get it, that's my fault, hmm. right? And I and I learned over the time that wait a second, certain people will never ever ever relax. I'm one of those people. It's not in our nature, right? right? So the only way we're relaxed is if we're executing, hmm. and we're only relaxed back to flow when the demands of like the software project or the meeting or the podcast or the the shred are so demanding that the front part of your brain, the part of your brain that worries, the part of your brain that knows what time it is and who you are and where you stop, Mm -hmm. it literally turns off. Like that's what happens in a flow state. That worry part of your mind, it's like it doesn't help. So your brain turns it off and it shunts all the processing power to the other part of your brain. Mm -hmm. And that's why like a software engineer in flow is usually five times more productive than one who's not in flow. That's why, like, when we ride and I'm in flow, I'm like five times better than when I'm not in flow. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, like, understand all you analytical people that your salvation is gonna come from intentional, deep practice. The smarter you are, the more reps it's gonna take. That's just a fact, based on my experience, with so like 6,000 people of all levels, 6,000, mm-hmm. right? It's my experience, but that will be your salvation. And so, pretty soon, back to breaking. Especially if you're racing cross country, you spend ten thousand dollars on a bike. You skip dessert. I can't hang. I I, I feel like such a pig eating with these people because <laughs> I don't skip anything, yeah. food wise. Yeah. Um. And you, you you sacrifice so much for that victory, right? And then you're breaking when I come, when I'm coasting. Yeah. I have more fat and body hair than you, <laughs> and I'm kicking your butt. Yeah. Because I'm sneaky, right? And you're throwing it away. So put that analytical mind to like, I'm gonna break there and it's gonna feel amazing. And by the way, when I'm breaking, I'm really heavy. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What happens after heavy? Light. What happens after light? Heavy. Heavy. So how about this? Break heavy, transition, light, corner heavy. Yeah. Perfect rhythm, right? And like, if you can like, start to like drive that into your body and your mind, then that worry part of you has a job to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it will do it. It'll do it. Like, like think about all the trauma you give yourself about worrying. You could t- take that whole, like, Intel processor and, and, and point it into shredding.
2: Yeah. That, I felt that a few times, and it, that's fun. That's so much fun. The feeling of that, of mm-hmm. the brake heavy, transition the light. Fear goes away, phones. and it's just fun. Yeah, it's like a roller coaster. The other thing, I can't wait to, um, we've been focusing on mountain biking on this podcast a lot because Single Track 6 is coming up, but... Uh, cyclocross, I can't wait to apply oh, these skills because, dude. uh, yeah. power uh, courses, I can do really well, but technical, you're going to about, do really well now. Yeah. All the turns. It's going to be a very different season. Exactly. I, I, you're going I like, can't wait stoked. to do it.
1: When you see like a series of flat or off camber grass turns, you're going to be like right on. That's an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, you can ride them faster than everybody else. And I know this cause of clients who like share their power, power files, like instead of making 400 Watts out of every corner. You can carry speed, soft pedal, 150 watts. Mm -hmm. So then when it's time to burn the big candle and get the win, you've Mm -hmm. got candles to burn, right?
2: That's exactly like my experience if there's like a really like how much 180 turns is I'd go in with the guy and they'd put a second or two on me. And then I would sprint to catch up with them every single time. And I know I'm, I'm like mentally, I'm like, man, you're more fit than this person, but you're giving up time. And I just didn't have the tools. To go, you know, to go yeah, around. I just it, don't so. know how to fix the problem. Yeah, exactly.
1: I was mentioned yesterday. I was on this group ride. on one of my jobs. I'm like the master trainer for the high school league for the country, mm-hmm. and I was out training coaches in in uh, Texas at this place called Reveley Peak Ranch. If you ever get a chance, you got to ride there. It's the most gnarly, technical, beautiful, violence, rocky trails I've ever seen. Amazing. And this group ride we did, like, it was like 15 or 20 people. Ten were all were pro cross country racers. Ten. Two Olympians, right? And of course I show up, they gave me a bike that was two sizes, was too big. I brought my flat pedals, my 50 millimeter stem. I put it on there, no dropper, which is weird for me. So I put the seat kind of low-ish. And then like, I'm competitive, you know, I try to be about love. And when I'm in teacher mode, I'm all about the love, right? But I still am competitive. Mm. And these guys like literally just cause of the math could climb twice as fast as me when it was smooth. And they would just get away but then on the technical climbs and the descents, I just would chip away at them, right? And, um, I, 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 and this, the, the idea of the zero calorie pass occurred to me, because I was so above my like, class aerobically mm. in that group, and, like, and I'd never seen the trails before, and I could see everybody was going around all these big rocks, and I'm like, well, I have no idea what's on the other side of that rock, but there's not a human on that rock. That means I can pass the other guy. And I just took these bold lines, and I didn't break until it was time to break. And, like, on short descents, I could work through, like, almost 20 dudes, right? Yeah. And then, and then, of course, as soon as it cleared up, they'd go, right? But it was, <laughs> it was, it was fun for me, and I, and I think I want to, like, put this out there. I wasn't planning to say this, but it's coming out of me, right? Like, we all have the body we have. We have the exact body that God or the universe or our parents gave us, right? This is what we have. I was a fat kid from a non-athletic family. I've got a lot of trauma around that. Right. But it's coming out. It's good now. Like not everybody is like skinny and has a huge aerobic engine. Right. And in cycling, that's like, that's like being a 100, 10, 145 looking at Jonathan, right, is like the ideal. That's like what we aspire to or, you know, and, and a lot of us don't have that body. Right. And we start to have value judgments around it. And we start to wonder like, why can't I climb with these people? It, it might not just be your physiology. And and if you, and I know this, like I I do my indoor training on my trainer and I do that and on my rip row, my aerobic capacity is what it is. It's good enough to get by. I don't have that gift, but what I do have is the gift of a pretty good body awareness and some good anaerobic power and the mind that worries about shit, stuff, sorry. hmm And I decided to turn my mind into worrying about shredding. So what's come for me, and I think there are a lot of people like me out there, like you're not like a quote, perfect cyclist. Good. You could be your perfect cyclist, your perfect athlete. You can practice your patterning. You can learn this stuff. Row anti-row is the best I know today. When we do this next year, maybe I'll have something different for you, right? Practice this. And then what you can do is you can like execute in a way that is beautiful and powerful and exquisite and uniquely you, Hmm. right? So if we're on a trail ride, right, and I know if we go out climbing, I'm looking at Nate, and if it's like straight aerobic work, I I can't do that, right? But I know my body, and I know that if I go at full threshold power, if we get to a technical section, I won't be able to execute, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I'll go 90%, I happen to know that's 270 watts today. And I know what that feels like in my body, I'll, I'll hold out. And if it gets moderately technical, right, Nate's going to crush everything today because we trained yesterday, but a normal person is going to blow energy into every rock. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to row an anti-row all the way up the hill at 270 Watts (laughs) and I will, I will catch you. I will. Mm -hmm. And so then like, does that make sense? Yeah. So like, that's a way we can all find a way to like express cycling the way we want to, the way that is organic to us and then have a superpower. Yeah. hope that makes some sense.
2: We should leave it at that.
0: I think it's a good spot to stop. Yeah, that was Pretty great. Good stuff. Yeah. With that, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions for us or for Lee, you can submit them. Just go to trainerroad.com slash podcast. If you have training questions unrelated to this, you can do that as well. Uh, we'll come through them and answer them in the next episode.
2: And to uh, Lee, find out more about all your stuff, leelikesbikes.com? Or? Yeah,
1: leelikesbikes.com is the main site. And, and I encourage you all to check out the online school because I we, I can coach you anywhere in the world that way. Sweet. It's, it's llbmtb.com. Perfect. And if you're curious about the the new world of unstable, bi-directional, upright roaders, <laughs> better go to riprow.com.
0: Awesome stuff. Thanks, everybody. We'll chat with you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, you guys.